Hi, I'm Avery Collins. I'm a professional ultra runner based out of Silverton, Colorado. And I'm Sabrina Stanley, and I run for Adidas Terex. And welcome to Training for Ultra podcast. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect that, man. So you keep doing what you do, it, man. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? I decided if I could, you know, finish a 50 miler, I could probably run across the country. 100 miles is not that far. Welcome to episode 185 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. We have Avery Collins and Sabrina Stanley. Hope you guys enjoy this episode, but first let's uh, thank the sponsors. I'm Ethan Wayne, director of the John Wayne Cancer Foundation. And I'm Molly, the race director for the John Wayne Grit Series. My father, John Wayne, asked my family and I to use his name to help find a cure for cancer. So we started the Grit Series. It's a series of 5Ks, 10Ks, and half marathons that take place in the most beautiful and rugged landscapes across the Southwest, including places where John Wayne shot some of his most famous movies. That's right. And all the race proceeds go towards cancer research and prevention programs. We're asking you to join us and bring your courage, strength, and grit to the fight against cancer. For more information on a race near you, visit us at johnwayne.org. That's johnwayne.org. Stay dusty. Also, big thank you to Tannery Outdoors. If you're interested, use uh, the promo code ULTRA10 for 10% off. But this is just a great company. You know, it's designed for runners by runners. Uh, The founder is an ultra runner. And it's an all-natural mineral-based product, which... In this era of, of sunscreen recalls and everything taking place there, it's just comforting knowing um, this, this is a, a good, honest company and um, it, it cares about the ultra running community. It cares about the trails and in the national parks and state parks. I think 1% of their sales goes back into the park systems and they, they definitely support, you know, some really great ultra runners and ultra running podcasts thank you to exoskin definitely check them out t the number four u20 for i think it's 15 percent off at this point it, it ranges throughout time but they have new colored toe socks and you know i'm a sucker for toe socks i i absolutely love those definitely throwing on the toe socks their calf sleeves are great they now have underwear and compression tops and i i really am a big fan of almost all their products. I use them during all my races. So you guys have been racing out of your minds and I'm so happy for all your successes and it's long overdue. I've had Avery on after his Hurt 100 victory. That's how long it's been since I've touched base with him. And Sabrina always gets hit hit up by all the, uh, the big ultra and trail media <laughs> outlets to the point where I just want her to like recover and have some time 
uh, not being on the podcast. So I'm I'm thankful to have you this time. So oh, welcome, guys. Thank you. Um, Avery, did you you run it all the past few weeks? Have you just been hanging out in Silverton, Colorado, like uh, just chilling, or, or we got back. any kind of? So we flew we flew home to uh, Sabrina's parents first in Washington uh, last Monday, or was that this Monday? That was last Monday. Last, yeah. oh, oh my gosh, last Monday, and um, then we stayed there for like thirty six hours just to kind of recoup and reset and get to a full night's sleep, and then we drove to Silverton. So we got to Silverton last week on Thursday, uh, and I, I'm pretty sure I didn't do it. Actually, no, I think I went for like a three or four mile run when we got home. It was really short, just around town, and then. Um, Friday, I definitely went for a run. I want to say it was like maybe six miles, just like part way up Kendall Mountain here in town and then back down. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely have been running. I haven't, nothing, like actually it's been really enjoyable because I have had no real goals of just going out and enjoying running and done a couple, well, a few of the peaks here in Silverton since I've gotten home, but it's just been at a really, really easy, slow effort, like, 90% hiking uphill and like full on just jogging downhill. I mean, like, I don't think my watch has seen a sub 12 mile. So <laughs> <laughs> welcome to my world, buddy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Isn't it enjoyable though? I mean, come it's on. Been a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, the first couple days, my quad was really tight due to some stuff that went on during, um, CCC during my most recent race. Um, but recently everything feels good it's just like sluggish but after a few miles and I get warmed up it's not so bad but I mean it's still like pretty apparent that like I mean I'm not gonna go run fast I don't think that'd be smart nor would it feel very good but um no it feels it feels totally fine I think there's a definitely a line there like yesterday I did uh about 13 miles and right there at the end my hip flexor is starting to feel kind of tight but I mean, at that point I was literally a half mile from the house. So I feel like I'm just like perfectly teetering yeah. that line right now, but I don't really Dehydration, right? It's a little warmer out. Yeah. Um, it has been yeah. warm here. Um, it's not like 95, like it is in Denver right now, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's rough here. Um, that's really interesting. I mean, Sabrina, for your, your big hard rock win, were you similar? Was your watch just saying like WTF, uh, like for the next two weeks, were you throwing in those super fast 20 minute milers and just like the super chill uphill type Avery paces? No, I, uh, I took 10 days off, which I always do after hundreds, sometimes more. Um, so I took nice. 10 days off and didn't do anything. And then like the 11th day. So the, the 11th day did like three easy miles, but the 12th day we traveled to Chamonix. And so then that was like two days of just traveling and getting back on like your sleep schedule and stuff. And I, yeah. I don't know, like I technically, I guess had UTB, UTMB coming up, but I hadn't, like I wasn't stressed about it. And so I wasn't super eager to jump back on the horse anytime soon. Um, so I just took my time and, um, I mean, tell were, me more about that. Um, just taking time off or UTMB or UTMB. Yeah. I mean, I was signed up for both, but like also with COVID, I didn't know if they were both going to happen. And so that it was never like in my head that I was going to like do the double. Um, yeah. I was just kind of signed up and waiting 
to see how the year unfolded. Um, just cause I wasn't going to yeah. cancel hard rock and bank on UTMB if that got canceled and then just be left without anything. Then I wasn't going to, I don't like, I just didn't want to put all my eggs in one basket. And so I was doing hard rock until hard rock wasn't happening. Um, and hard rock happened. And so I did it and I was still signed up for UTMB. So I'm like, Oh, maybe, you know, I'll see how recovery goes and kind of like maybe. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I've never really been one to race back to back. Um, Nolan's is definitely an exception. And so it's just, I, for as long as I want to do this competitively, I don't think it's very intelligent to like, do it back to back to back. Um, Congrats. Like it's refreshing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for being like in the mainstream, if you want to even call that ultra and trail world and not have to do something stupid to like prove yourself to anyone. Like that's so smart just to chill out, enjoy Avery's race, enjoy Europe for a week or whatever it was. And recover the way you should after a hard rock effort for not sure, effort yeah. win sorry <laughs> well and i think when you do it as often as you do like when you like are so immersed in the ultra world it becomes natural to run that often but you kind of have to take yeah. a step back and look at like competitive marathoners and like they do what one or two a year maybe and so yeah. i just for my body and for how i want to feel when i do step on the starting line it's just not my style to to stack races and unfortunately adidas it. backs me a hundred percent on that and um they kind of let me take the lead there which i really appreciate from their end as well they're not like you have to do this this and this like they they definitely like hear me they're out gaining some momentum yeah yeah they're supporting people the way for like long-term success in the sport not you have one off year with one or two bad races and like, we're dropping you and ignoring you forever. Like, I, I really like what I'm seeing, uh, from my perspective, at least. I mean, Avery, are you with them now also, or I'm JV squad. Okay. <laughs> JV squad. Maybe I mean, one day you keep, I got, keep I got, working your way up over in Europe. Uh, yeah, I got perks and I got bennies, <laughs> but, uh, I'm waiting for coach to pull me up into the varsity team. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> Makes me feel like a tiny bit better about myself somehow. I don't know if <laughs> if you're dropping an 11, 11 and a half hour CCC in your JV, it's like, holy crap. Yeah, well, oh. this was definitely kind of like a, this was, I guess, it's hard to say. Like, maybe this will be the trend moving forward and that, that this has been the trend moving in the last few years in terms of the sport getting faster, but my time this year traditionally would have put me anywhere from like fifth to eighth place. Um, Absolutely. I mean, hell there was, this was, you know, more along the lines of like seven, eight years ago, but it would have won it back then. But yep. like that, those days are long gone. And you know, I'm definitely pretty grateful to have raced against a bunch of badasses because it went out fast and it stayed fast. Um, but yeah, it's pretty incredible. You can go out there and run, what I felt like was like nearly, I, I made some be some mistakes at the end, but nearly flawless race and still finishing 15th. <laughs> it's like, it's, it truly is becoming the Olympics of trail running. Like that's the type of effort that you take to like the games and you walk away 15th place because it's global and it truly is like the best of the best in the world. And for someone of your caliber to say that is like, it, 
it seems like that is true. I mean, talk to me a little bit more about this and we're going to have Emily how good on to co-host, but she's, uh, she's in the middle of something it appears. So we'll, we'll get back in touch with her. She might jump in here, but I mean, we were, we were chatting about her race cause she did UTMB. She had an excellent 10th place finish there. And I was, I was joking around with her cause it sounded like you guys might've like shared some space or something or had dinner a few times. And I was like, I, I see Avery as like the master chef here that never talks about it or brags about it, but is like really good at cooking. Um, <laughs> were you, were you like whipping up some really great meals for Emily's per- performance? Is that what was going on or? Oh no, I, I did for Sabrina. I am, I am the chef of the household and um, <laughs> I do like to get creative. It was funny when we were in France, I was actually making, I think this just kind of happens naturally, but I was making a bunch of food that I never make here. Um, like gnocchi, I was doing like a thousand different versions of gnocchi and, uh, we eventually had to stop doing that. Um, (laughs) but, uh, no, after, well, after, um, Emily finished her race, uh, there was like, there was a team dinner that night for Dita's, which I didn't even go to actually my, my foot started acting up like 36 hours after the race. It was really weird. And so I I was in misery and just stayed at home. And then, um, that would have put us the next day would have been Sunday night. And that, that was like the big kind of hurrah, um, dinner for Adidas. And, um, yeah, so I never, I I didn't, I mean, I, I guess I had an extra steak one night that I gave Emily. Um, and, and like anytime we had like, cause I usually overcook. So anytime I had extra stuff, I, I told, but my steak wasn't that impressive to be perfectly honest. Like it was this <laughs> tiny little flank steak on like a stovetop. Um, it wasn't impressive, but I did make a few impressive meals. I must say. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's confirm that. Um, Sabrina, what, what can he cook? This is this is the main part. This is the meat of the interview, by the way. Uh, he, secondary. He is the chef of our house. Um, if it weren't for him, I'd live on protein shakes, oranges, and oatmeal and be totally content. But um, he, uh, stir fries, I would say, is, is like latest. Yeah, lately I've been doing stir fries. Yeah. Let me give you the best recipe that I did while we were there. I made, <laughs> I made this up myself. I made a gnocchi lasagna. Uh, it was base layer of gnocchi. With obviously with olive oil, garlic, fresh garlic, um, uh, fresh onion, and then I did a fresh cheese layer. I'm totally drawing blank on what type of fromage I used, and then Fancy. and then uh, a layer of Italian spicy sausage, and then another layer of gnocchi. Except that layer had uh, was drenched in pesto and um, red oh. sauce. And then cheese on top of that. And then I baked it. Oh, dude, it was so fucking good. Literally, he's the foodie. (laughs) So if you have a picture of that, let's write it down. I'll put it in the newsletter. I do. I got a picture. (laughs) We'll put it in the newsletter and I'll put it on my website and everything. Um, Just just for the listener's background. So you can check that out. And uh, that's really cool of you. I, I mean, I thought there might be something there, but... I wasn't sure if you talked that much about food and cooking, so I don't, but I do like Glenn. doing it. Cool. Um, so how were you feeling going into CCC, Avery? I mean, your your race was phenomenal. I got to hear more of the details. Um, 
or was it such a memorable race there like isn't any major event like just walk me through how you were feeling and then i want to hear some highlights about the day and and maybe sabrina i assume you were crewing him throughout that um you could share some insights as well because that race was unbelievable you had an awesome event and i just want to hear more about it yeah so like kind of a snippet into the training my spring didn't really go the way i had intended it to um i was kind of dealing with some injury problems that were um just like it's just major foot issues eventually worked through that and um had a good decent end of may and then june like things finally started to come around um so basically i was just trying to build a base for that when we arrived to chamonix which was four or five weeks early we got there june uh i'm sorry july 28th so we got there four weeks early so my my entire plan was like get to Chamonix with a really good base and then just run really hard for two weeks. Um, so the week we got there, I ran 105 miles and then the next week was 115. Both of them were with about 40,000 feet of gain and kind of the like, that's insane. The most important portion of that was I did a four day, um, fast packing trip around Mont Blanc on the course on the UTMB course. Um, obviously I was running CCC and wasn't running the full UTMB, but I mean, I just didn't see where it would be a disadvantage to just like get out for four big days and not have to backtrack on anything. Um, and I think that was kind of the turning point because I was running with a pretty heavy pack on. It's a bigger, it's a, it's a fast pack pack. Um, and it had, my guess would be like, 11 to 15 pounds in it, depending on the day. Um, and I, I mean, I tried to load it up and make it heavy. Like as the trip progressed, I was loading it up with food and three bottles of water. And like, honestly, you can run that loop without a lick of food or water, as long as you have a credit card and cash. I mean, it's, there's so much, um, in mountain infrastructure out there that you can rely on. Um, so once I finished that up, my, like, just kind of looking at my times and, Um, the fact that I was running something that was new to me and I didn't really know the way. So I'm spending time looking at my watch. The pack was heavier. That kind of made me feel pretty confident in, um, running CCC pretty well. Um, and you know, realist, like my, my idea of the perfect race was going to be 11 hours or faster. I ran 1147, which is, you know, quite a ways off of that planned time. Um, but it is, it was definitely a, a learning experience. And, um, I mean, I, I really did leave it, uh, everything I had out there and pushed pretty hard, um, or pushed as hard as I could. And I think next time that I, I that I do run it, I really think 11 hours will be more feasible, especially if I can put together like a full season, uh, you know, that was yeah. CCC was basically my, not, not basically was my first race of the year. At least that I finished. I had a, I had a DNF, um, earlier in the spring. Uh, but I mean, I literally right now feel like I'm just getting going this year. So, um, going to do a couple more races, which, um, you know, it's fine with me, whether, it, whether the season starts in the spring or the fall, I mean, in retrospect, like, or looking at like the macro, the big picture. I mean, I've been doing this for nine years now. It's like, there's not really, I don't have to look at it in terms of seasons. Like it's just one big picture. What am I doing over the next year, two year, three years that spring while 
Sabrina would probably also agree. I don't see it that way when I am injured, but that spring is like nothing. You know, I lost a spring in the big picture. What does it matter? Um, especially if I can continue to run good races for years to come. Totally. I, I love both. You guys have such great perspective on longevity in the sport. It's, it's really refreshing to hear, uh, sincerely. You're not, you're, you're not doing anything, uh, just, outlandish i mean it's it's almost like it's not that exciting like well done (laughs) (laughs) like just continue and uh that was well thought out like good job well Um, i think i would like to think by the time we're done it's all said and done um you know we'll be like the sneaky player in the nba that like ended up averaging a double double their entire career but like never never got like the the mention that they should have um, and then just like one quick note, I know you had asked, you had like kind of a highlight of the race. Um, just one specific highlight for me was I told myself going into the race that the race didn't start till Champagne Lock, which is the 55 kilometer marker. And, um, I held off till then I executed exactly how I wanted. And when I got to Champagne, I still had a lot of gas and, um, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what I, I would guess. I was somewhere in between 25th and 30th at Champay. Sabrina might know better. And then I Is obviously that the finished really 15th. big aid station, like a really giant tent. Um, man, I'm, I'm trying, trying to, to recall. Think. I mean, they were all pretty similar. I would say. So that's the first aid station that you can have crew at. So it is going to be a bigger big. one. Yeah, for sure. it's like really, it's yeah. just like a huge, long, and, white. And like you exit tent. and then the uh, the little lake is on your left side. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so what was notable about this aid station? Like this is where your race started and you were, were, were you being conservative with this or were you just, that's where you were? Oh, I was being pretty conservative. I mean, I, I, I wasn't expecting to, but I came into like the first like legitimate aid station, which was 20 or 25 kilometers into the race and 50th place. Um, honestly, I, before the race, I saw myself getting there somewhere between 20th and 30th, just based on previous year's splits. Um, and my time was still there on previous year's splits. I was just 25 places back. Um, so, you know, I told myself like, uh, I don't think 49 people in front of me are all going to run the course record this year. So <laughs> just like stick to it. And like, it, obviously these people are going to drop or, or start to, you know, falter. And, um, you know, I don't know if necessarily many people faltered, but they definitely slowed down while I was speeding up and I'd have to go back and look, but I either even split or negative split the race. Um, Wow. Like without a doubt. And, and and if I positive split it, it was maybe like five or 10 minutes. I remember thinking about this. I never actually went and looked. Um, so if this was UTMB, you would, you would have continued to kind of push, right? Did you pace this like it was a hundred mile race maybe? No, I mean, I still paced it like a hundred K. It's just okay. that it's really like Champagne is a notorious spot where people find out they push too hard because you've got three major climbs after that. And they're all, they're all pretty steep. Once you get to like the bulk of it, they all have like this kind of approach that's relatively douche grade that's runnable. And I saved gas to be able to run all of that stuff. And then when it got to the steep, I just, you know, started digging into my poles and using my poles. And like, I just, that was kind of the important part for me was like, I kind of figured that 
with three major steep climbs left, a lot of people could just get eaten up by them. And uh, I ran that back into the course in total around seven times that last 50 kilometers. It's not that I ran that last 50K seven different times, but I ran those sections um, the most out of the entire course. They were the easiest to get to, but it, it was also the most important part. Like the back end of the race is the most important part. I mean, those climbs, the only thing that's similar that I've come across in the U.S. is like, uh, I think it's reverse at Hard Rock, uh, where Cunning, I think it's Cunningham Gate yeah. Station is, and you cross a river, and it just like, at least for me, I didn't I didn't explore all of Silverton, obviously. Um, all of Silverton's that steep. But it, it, feels, <laughs> it feels like, well, and I guess 14ers are kind of like that grade where... It just sucks. Like, it's just straight up. Uh, and the Swiss Alps are just like that. And those climbs specifically after the 50, 50K mark, um, 55K mark, it's, I, I felt like those were the hardest climbs of the entire race for CCC at least. I mean, what what are your legs feeling like? Someone like you describes as just, well, I, I was just digging deep, but, you know we see that and we're our jaws drop. So can you explain that a little bit further? Like, did you have a mantra like to get up? I mean, well, it's mean, still daylight, right? And it's, yeah, that's yeah. crazy to me that you can do that 64 miles or whatever it is. Uh, basically all in daylight it's mind-blowing but i mean i was positioned in a place where like i don't think i really needed any type of mantra because i always had someone in front of me like there was and that's kind of the beauty of an incredibly competitive race is there's always someone to be chasing unless if unless if you're in the lead which i was way off the lead so like i always had work to do so i mean and maybe that was my mantra was like you still got work to do um, coming out of Champagne, I was actually pretty fresh. So, I mean, like, I can't say that there was any sort of feeling of like lactic acid buildup or anything like that. And I, I ran from Champagne to Triant really, really well. Um, I would say it was Triant. I actually started to experience just a little bit of quad cramping that became a major issue on the final climb up to Flegere. Um, and I mean, that was like hundred percent my own mistake that actually really could have been avoided. And it cost me some significant time and positioning, um, probably a few places in about 15 minutes. Um, I, at the very last aid station, I saw Sabrina at in Valorcine, which is, um, 17 kilometers from the finish or so, maybe 18. It's 12 miles. It's 12 miles. Okay. So it's 20 K to the finish. doesn't seem like it. Cause the first few miles are pretty fast. Um, I took four salt pills at that aid station and Whoa, I honestly, yeah. And I, I mean, I usually do, I have to take a lot and I thought that was going to be enough to get me to the finish line because the sun was like starting to go down and it was relatively cool out at this point. It was probably like 55, 58 degrees. And, um, it bought me time all the way to like the top, the top of the road pass, right where it starts to get steep for the climb in the race. And, uh, I reached into my bag and to grab some salt pills and realized I only had two left and that bought me about 15 minutes. And then, um, basically the entirety of the climb, my quads were actually like shaking and seizing up and, um, it was pretty super painful, right? Oh, it was incredible. It was incredibly painful. Very, 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 very tight through the, like the entire quad. And I just, 
I mean, there's a photo of me that basically says it all. I started using, I was like literally just using my arms, my back and my trying to just like push with my glutes and just avoid any quad usage going uphill, which it's so steep that like, it is really hard not to use your quads on that climb. And it just, it definitely ate away at the time. Um, I mean, all the, the only other options were, was consuming food to get that sodium content yeah. And all I had was gels and I took a couple of them, but the There's gels just, sodium, but yeah, they weren't, you won't be able to digest it. Right. <laughs> well, and, and that was partially the problem was the gels at that point were running through me. Um, and yeah. like, I really just needed solids and I, I had a couple pieces of bread, but even like, what is, what, what's straight carbs with no salt going to do as well. So, you know, it was, it was a learning lesson that like, you know, really realistically next time I should have an ample amount of salt pills on me ultimately lightweight they're easy to carry and for the listeners background practice because salt pills if you overdo them can be kind of dangerous so don't don't be taking four like avery unless you're a professional and know what or or use them and have experience because um that is a lot right i mean what's the most you've ever taken at one one time um i mean it goes hard on the salt yeah, Jeez. I do. And these are the goo ones. So they're not as potent as like oh, the okay. Succeed esque caps. So these ones are okay. like 180 milligrams per pill, whereas Succeed is probably like, I think it's like 240 or 250 milligrams of sodium per pill. Um, but with that being said, like a race like her, I took, um, I think it was right around 50 to 60 salt pills for the entire race. Um, so I do take a lot, but I also, I do sweat. I sweat a significant amount and, um, yeah, if I don't take the salt pills, it it starts to show. Yeah. That's really fascinating. I mean, walk me through after you make that last summit and the descent is crazy. It's like hard rock again. Um, in terms of the, I think it's on a road where it kind of crests and then drops down and it's just like an uncomfortable grade where you want to run you can smell the finish line it's like four miles probably is that correct um yeah five six yeah you almost can't run if your quads are blown like it's that uncomfortable of a grade so that was that was the the odd thing and that was the one thing i was banking on because i like i said i had kind of experienced it coming out of triant my quads hurting but my quads let me run down into Valorcine pretty hard. So my one thing I was banking on was get up to Flegere, the final aid station. And you got like four, four and a half to the finish. Uh, partial road, partial relatively s- uh, technical single track. Um, yeah, probably like about half and half. Frustrating. And yeah. <laughs> and like, honestly, I, I started to, I dropped the hammer as soon as I got up there. Um, thinking I, you know, I can still get somebody. And I did. Uh, and Chris Brown, the first American, he had passed me on the way up pleasure. My goal was to catch him on that downhill. And he just like, I, I just think he passed me so early in the climb. That's where I kind of, I see these time problems where I lost a lot of time that I, I ended up not even being able to catch him on the downhill. Um, but you go just like a half mile of service road. And like you said, it's like probably 12% grade or so. It's just enough to hurt the quads. But I, for whatever reason, I could run downhill just fine. It was, I guess it, it was this, some eccentric muscle within the quad for uphill specifically that was so painful. Um, and I had ran 
uh, I had ran that section. I don't even know how many times I was local legend on that route, uh, (laughs) for the summer, uh, which I just got taken from me recently, which I thought was hilarious because it's just like the section I was local legend on is just like, it's almost kind of silly. It's just like this really overpopulated touristy route. Um, but that's how you finish the race. And the last two miles are on double track into, into road. And, um, you basically I, like run through a coffee shop. Yeah. Right? Isn't there well, on the right side? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You run through a, a, a refuge. Well, I don't think they have, they don't have bedding. So maybe it's not considered a refuge, but yeah, it's basically a coffee shop you run right through. <laughs> um, and yeah, my last couple miles were pretty fast down that. Um, I don't want, I don't really, I'm not a hundred, it was like five ten or something. I, it was really, really fast. I was, I was willing to bust Wait, my face five, open. Like a five minute mile. 510 is yeah. that what you're referring yeah. to? I mean, I was that ready to 510 does not register in my head at the end of a <laughs> 100k and very rarely ever for that matter. Um, Honestly, but, man, I think the entire top 20 is is do, is just about in that in that realm like sub 6. I mean, legitimately. Wow. I mean, what was going through your head when you're going up and down the metal ladder stair or whatever the stairs that uh go over the roads like could you just smell the finish line were you getting pumped you could probably hear it well my first thing was like i hope i don't cramp up on the stairs because there's like all these people watching (laughs) so i mean i just tried to get up them quickly before anything bad could happen and then when i ran across the top it just felt like you can hear everything rattling and shaking so i like immediately stopped because i I was like worried that i was going to knock the whole thing over which obviously wouldn't have happened um but uh yeah man i mean i was like i was really happy with my performance so like i it felt really good to just i ran pretty hard into the finish line and like yeah it was it was really exciting Uh, that would be the best word to describe it. it was very exciting um Yes, because there are a fair amount of fans out there and and there's just like an exciting environment. But um, most of it was just because I, you know, I stuck with my plan all day. I remained in a really positive state of mind and and just uh, tried my best to keep hunting people down all day. Yeah. I mean, Sabrina, what was going through your head? Were you able to see the finish at the finish line? And um, I mean... Back to Avery also after that. I mean, were you disappointed at all or were you just happy with that performance? So, Sabrina, did you make it and see that live or was it just too crowded? No. Um, once I knew I wasn't running UTMB, I tried to be at as many, like, there's, what, 25 Adidas athletes there. And so I crewed Cordis Hall at TDS. Um, that was that started on Tuesday. And then... Um, Wednesday or Thursday, I think was, is that right? Yeah. Thursday was OCC, which is the 50 K. And so I crewed Cordis with uh, Corinne Malcolm. And then we went and um, for OCC watched, went to like as many viewpoints as we could, saw the start, saw the, saw the finish. And then, and then we had like four or five athletes running that, if not more. And then from OCC was CCC and I was crewing Avery and there's a couple other athletes out there running as well. And then UTMB, I try to be out on course as much as possible. So I was, by the time yeah. OCC, or sorry, the, by the time CCC happened and Avery was racing, I felt very familiar with all the aid points and the finish line. And so, yeah, when I was crewing him, I knew the tents and I knew kind of the process from um, helping Cordis out. And then also 
um, like I knew kind of like the secret like pockets at the finish line where you could like squeeze in and there would always be a little opening. Um, I could just see you in a tiny like European car, like just driving <laughs> like a mad woman on the right side. And, yeah. Like knowing all the secret little tunnels and side roads. and Yeah. Well, kind of a side note. It was fun crewing Avery because um, going to Champé-Lac, he was like, don't even worry about going back through the tunnel to Chamonix. Just go straight straight there from the start. And so, um, I, he gave me like the GPS coordinates. I just like typed in a little, you know, whatever. And it took me through a few of the, um, tour aid stations from 2018 when he ran tour. And I was again by myself in like this little college. <laughs> that was my first experience. And it just, it was kind of cool to like relive that, you know? Um, and especially those sections in daylight. Cause in tour, it was all dark. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, at each aid station, I was. We had had a lot of talks before he did CCC because I knew how high his expectations were, um, and I knew that he had done other races with really high expectations that didn't go quite as planned. And so it's like, how are you going to react when like this doesn't happen happen the way you want? And, like I want it to happen the way that you envision it, but if it doesn't, like you have to mentally also prepare for that because if you don't, then you could just like dig your own grave and make it even worse. And so every aid station, I was so impressed with his mental state. He was super, super positive. Every time I saw him, um, he seemed really fresh mentally, like very acute. And so it was really, it was fun to crew someone who was so in it and so happy and just very positive the entire time. And every aid station, he was like, he left ready to charge and ready to catch more people. Um, wow. and that's cool. Cause like when you, I think when you're in, when you expect to be like, let's say top five or something, and that's not necessarily happening as a crew member, you're like, how's this aid station going to go? Um, but every aid station was super stoked and left super stoked. And so that was, it was just a really fun, fun day for me. It was like, is, is Avery going to get so frustrated? He's going to start throwing food again, (laughs) embarrassing me again, (laughs) calling me names in front of all these people. Um, I mean, and, were you just silent? Were you just like so into the race that you're like driving aid station, aid station silent? Or do you have the techno music blasting and you're just like <laughs> looking around in this little car? Or? I don't know about techno, but um, yeah, I have my Spotify playlist uh, jamming out. And so, yeah, yeah, windows down, just cruising through like what's on it? What's Italian on it? I, I got to hear. Is that what you're listening to? Like Italian, like, no, classics. <laughs> Like, what are what, what are the what's on your Spotify listening to recently? Oh, um, the group of three. Yeah, I'm gonna butcher. It. It's H A I M Ham Ham. Okay, I, I think they're like it's indie. fancy. It's not him. It's a fancy Ham. <laughs> I don't know. There's people screaming into their phones right now, but uh, <laughs> it's good. I it's thought it's sisters. really good. They've been around for a while, but I recently jumped on the bandwagon, so I was playing them a lot. But what genre is this? I I apologize. I don't. I would say I'm like indie pop. Okay. But they, kind of, yeah. It, yeah, it's three sisters. They play all their own instruments. They do all the vocals. Like it's okay. very like um family band. What's that, like, like the most embarrassing thing that you listen to crewing this guy? You, I don't you, you know some, my like, playlist. I there's some Britney Spears in. No, there's definitely there's Britney lots Spears. of Britney Spears. <laughs> there's lots of Spice Girls. Um, oh, Spice Girls is classic. <laughs> I mean But then there's also like Eminem and Lil Wayne and uh, there's a little Kid Cudi in there. Nice. <laughs> it's I eclectic. Mean, 
And There's then Avery, country. you listen to like eight mile, like before the start line. Before the you start, got sh- you got one shot. You know what my song, my before the race start was? It's called uh, "Business." I think it's by Tiesto. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's good. an electronic song. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I listen to a ton of uh, of '90s hip hop and rap. Where that's definitely kind of the regular, so which cute. is like. I know it's cliche and like some people are like, oh, 90s rap, you're so cool. But like <laughs> it's what I grew up on more than anything. It's what I listened in high school. But I do listen to some um, like modern hip hop and rap and R&B artists. Um, yeah. It's just that like more of them aren't that very aren't very good these days. But it's, it's hard to climb that steep and not have like, you know, some 50 cent in there or. <laughs> like some classic biggie or something you know oh in terms of the race i didn't listen to anything i don't i typically okay. don't do music actually i don't think i've ever done music for anything under a 100 mile race um i think it's just more of like i just don't want to deal with it um but in 100 I miles mean, i like to use you lost velocity. out on probably six spots not having your your hip-hop playlist going <laughs> i don't I, I don't know i don't know I'm joking. Um, And so when you go through the finish line, are you at all disappointed or did you throw down pretty much what you had available for you? Just given the hiccups at the beginning of the season, like, were you satisfied or does this leave you wanting to come back to CCC or UTMB next year? Oh, I think there's a good chance I'll cut go back and do UTMB next year. I mean, that's, that's not for sure. I think the only, well, there's a couple different things that could happen. I could get into hard rock. If I get into hard rock, I'll obviously be running hard rock. I've been waiting, um, damn near a decade. So, uh, I'm thinking this is my year, but who do, knows? Do locals get in early? Dude. Somehow? No, I did. I did. No uh, one gets in. I did coursework this year though. Next door to the guy. <laughs> No, um, sorry, um, go ahead. no, you're good. Yeah, I did do coursework. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully that plays some kind of role. Who knows? Um, so hard rock. And then like, I'm throwing around the idea of running Tour de Jean. Um, and it, if it didn't happen this summer, it'd probably happen next summer. Unless if once again, hard rock was the problem there. Um, cool. Yeah. And uh, no, when I crossed the finish line, I was by no means upset i I would i was 100 percent aware of the fact that i was you know 45 minutes off of my goal time i I knew that i knew that in valor scene uh but it wasn't something that like bothered me i had i had ran pretty hard all day like i ran really hard all day for where i was and um you know that's that's really all i can ask of myself like i i know the performances where like man i may have missed this here and there but like for the way it went which was is about as good as it could have gotten. I mean, I could have maybe started harder, but I don't think even that would have been smart. I mean, the top 50 guys came into mile nine um, under Hayden Hawk's splits when he set the course record top 50. So like how much faster could I've really ran at the, at the beginning um, and been realistic about holding that together. Um, So the only thing I can really change is, well, one, now I know the race better, which is always great for, for, you know, a, a follow-up performance um to uh the last couple of climbs i probably should have had more salt and then uh three uh have a more complete well-rounded year in terms of like well i could have had a better spring which would have built a bigger base um and, and there's some tiny little things i could tweak with training um and and i think all those things absolutely could add up to an 11 or sub 11 hour finish um and you know like ultimately 
I think I do consider myself more of a hundred plus mile runner. Um, this year I had like totally devoted to running hundred K as I did the backbone trail. And then, um, uh, oh, I was canyons, canyons, um, which kind of fell apart and then CCC. Um, and like, that was just kind of my thing for the year. And, and, I really do enjoy being more of a quiver runner, which is re- I, I think is kind of cool. I mean, to be able to run two hundreds and then also turn around and run competitively at a hundred K and really uh, just about every distance in ultra running. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I think my strengths suit me for a hundred plus. Um, but you know, it was a really fun test and I don't think CCC is in the, in the near future. There's just too much for me going on and that I want to do, but you know, maybe three, four, five years out. Yeah. Are you going to join me at Black Canyon 100K? Are you going for a golden ticket um, at all? Like, or is that just not your type of race? Um, Black Canyon will probably never happen. Uh, not my so, jam. I've- so we'll save you a spot <laughs> in the Airbnb. Um, I'm driving. I'll pick you up. No, <laughs> I've, I've been down there to, um, crew and pace my buddy Devin. So I'm like totally familiar with the course. It just wasn't my jam after I paced him the last marathon or 50 K. So like, I know, I know what it looks like. It's just, it's just not, not my jam. And then, you know, Western is so far out in the horizon for me. It's like, well, yeah. that's why he's doing UTMB for a golden ticket. <laughs> yeah i mean i don't it's not up to you either uh it sounds like sabrina do you coach him and vice versa at all no. or is this just part of your like relationship do you guys like just honest like feedback back and forth or i think we well we have tried coaching um him mainly to me and i it it just isn't good for our relationship. Um, I think I know best and vice versa. And I think we're very aware, we're, but we're both right. We are, we are both <laughs> right because she does know herself better than I do. And I know myself better than I do. And I'm implementing then, my strategies onto her. We know what works for us individually. And I, we, we know what we think is like very similar in our coaching strategies. And then we definitely diverge on a few philosophies and, so we like, we'll bounce ideas off each other, but, yeah. um, the reins are never fully handed over, even when they said they are, or we're going like, to be. <laughs> when you're not getting a hug all week, you know, you like set up the other for like a horrible training block. And like, <laughs> like when you go in for the handhold and like, no one's, no one's receptive, like, <laughs> no, you know, the tra- training's gotten a little too tough for them and. <laughs> Well, it's, 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 I mean, to put it simply, like he was always uh, making me run further than I should, than I thought I should. And then days where I wasn't running far, he was making me run shorter than I thought I should. Like, so so there's no winning at all or faster or slower, like whatever he had down for me. I was like, that's not right. That's, that's not what I need today. Um, And so it was just a constant battle of, you know, have you looked at my data? Like, where's this workout coming from? Like, what are you thinking? I'm not are that you fast. even a coach? Or, yeah. Are like, coach? what are you doing? Um, <laughs> and so it was just, it was better for us to just coach ourselves and, and do it that way. Then I, it yeah. speaks highly of both of you guys, not only like your relationship, but just, you know, intelligence and experience with all this. So I, I think it's much better have figured that out early than have, uh, grinded it out and both had injuries or whatever uh one-sided 
race totally. results. So. Well, yeah. and I think it's it's mostly just a desire to like have somebody do the work for you instead of like looking at your own data and like analyzing what you should be doing. Cause I can coach myself like I have for years, but I just really wanted somebody to, to take over. And so I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to look at my runs. I, I just have to like, Oh, this is what I'm doing today. Cool. I'm going to go do that, which sounds so simple. And I don't have to think about the week or the month prior and I can just run. Yeah. Um, but I don't work well that way. I realize, like I, I need the control of my training or I lose my mind. <laughs> I mean, I I wish I had gotten to you earlier to hear more about your big win uh, at Hard Rock. And I, I'm making a promise now, your next race, regardless of the outcome, I want to talk to you about it. Deal. So I don't care if you DNF at mile three or win it or whatever, whatever race you do next, I'm inviting you on like way ahead of time because I feel like we focused a lot on Avery's race just that shabby, you know, <laughs> you had a good 15th race, yeah. place. Uh, hey, our next race is Madeira. Can I hop on well, too? <laughs> You're welcome back too. Maybe, maybe we'll have to split this into two episodes. Um, but yeah, tell me more about the future. What, what does that look, look like for you guys? I mean, Silverton, is it like 20 degrees there? It's like 95 where I am. Like what's, <laughs> Like, what's the plan for over the winter time look like for you? Are you going to do skiing? I, I don't know that many elite runners that do much outside of running uh, in terms of like snow sports and yeah, future um, races, goals. Avery, Avery um, gets out on his split board much more often than I get out on my skis. Um, I get out like once to twice a month and he's out four times a week. I'm a local legend. Uh, I, I live that's, on, what, I, that's what I'm going to call this episode. Avery Collins, the local legend, and Sabrina Stanley. Yeah, um. sidekick. Um, now we this this year um, I'm kind of excited for because we fly out um, for uh, Adidas team camp in Austria. Let's see, in like a week, week and a half, something like that. The 21st, um, and then we'll be there for two weeks and then hopefully we hear back from Madeira. Um, I, I'm not sure what's going on with the race right now. Um, so hopefully that happens and we can get out there. Um, and so then we'll just spend our time in Madeira until that happens November 20th, which was like seven weeks prior. So we can really get to know the course and um, nice. not worry about running in snow or cold weather here um, and be fully adapted. And then come home around Thanksgiving and be here for a couple months and then hopefully um, trans grand Canary and head out there early and train out there. So um, the winters are long here, which especially last year and the year prior, um, just cause we were here for all of it. Um, but this upcoming year, I think we'll just be dipping in and out and, and it'll be nice to like have a white Christmas and then kind of bounce back out um, to somewhere tropical, which I'm yeah. excited for. I don't know. Yeah. Avery's going to miss his, his snowboarding season. Yeah, I mean it is what it is. Running running is always priority number one and I enjoy it the most, but I will say like snowboarding is pretty pretty close. Um yeah. Last last year kinda sucked. Avalanche conditions were terrible. Year before that I had eighty backcountry days, which is um a pretty pretty fair amount for backcountry and um it was yeah. incredible. I actually I ran my fifty K PR that year after um 
I averaged about, I think it was like 30 miles a week of running. I was, I was almost solely on, um, split boarding, but you know, there's a variety of ways to go about it. And, um, I think that's like one way I always want to train. I don't think it's always going to be in that, that high of volume. Um, especially considering like two years ago was, uh, somewhat of an anomaly in terms of avalanche, um, risks out here. It was a pretty safe winter. I think somewhere in the middle there, like, you know, 40, 40, 40 to 50 days would be a little bit more normal in terms of like really balancing when you can get out safely and when you can't. Yeah. And this might sound naive, but Sabrina, since you won Hard Rock, do you bypass the lottery for next year? Are you invited back or um, are you going to be on the 10-year plan? No. Uh, um, like Avery, do you guys foresee like both getting in at the same time? Or Yeah, so they invite back the lead female and lead male each year. Um, okay. That's a tough I, decision, right? Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, I there are so many people I think waiting to get into Hard Rock to continue to to repeat and repeat and repeat. I think is a little um, like selfish. I don't want to step on any toes, but I just know because I live with one somebody who's been dreaming of of racing. One- you won the race. It's don't feel guilty next year. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, but I, that is once again, something I never hear elites say, but they go to Western States every year. Um, and it's once again, it's like refreshing. Like I, I don't hear elites speak like this uh, a lot. So it's, I, it's much appreciated. That's my view. If I get into hard rock, I'm doing it one time. Unless yeah. I'm like, I DNF at mile like 95. I I will just do that race once. And likely the same thing with Western States. Like one, one experience and then unless there's some like catastrophic yeah. mistake on my part, I don't really want to do it again. I don't want to take someone else's dream race away from them. I think there's an excuse for Hard Rock to do it twice just so you can run it in both directions. The problem yeah. with that is that you can't pick. So like... Um, I know people who have ran it five times in the same direction and all they want to do is run it in the other direction. Um, and, and I don't mean to call people selfish who like keep coming back. So I know there's people who volunteer for X amount of years. And like, if you're out here working the trails and like, that's your thing and you're involved and, and whatnot. And so you do come back every single year. That's one thing. But also like, if you're just going to hike it, like you can come out and hike at any point. You don't need to do it during the race. Like the, the course is always here for the summer. And and so, and if you can't do it right in two attempts and both one in each direction, then like, you know, maybe you're not taking it seriously enough. Um, and so I know it's like controversial to, cause I know a lot of people like to come back to hard rock time and time again, but like, if that's your thing, like come back when it's, when the race isn't happening, like you can fast pack it. You can, like I said, the course is here. And so, yeah, I, I think, um, twice is enough for me. Those three minutes will haunt me probably for the rest of my life, but, uh, <laughs> I would like to go into UTMB super fresh and do it right. Um, and that, I think that's hard, right? It is. I mean, it's a sacrifice. That rec- for sure. Yeah. That, that recovery, um, it's at an elite level. It's almost impossible to do in a healthy fashion. Yeah. I and mean, I do think it's possible. And like, maybe I could have done UTMB and done it well, but then 
And then you can like look at the data and be like, oh, if you did hard rock well and you did UTMB well, like clearly it's possible. But then if you look at the six months after, like, are you going to be injured? And like the on the day, you might not realize it, but I think long term there there are going to be consequences. Um, and so I I think it's easy to yeah. overlook that pushing pushing like you guys do during a race. I can't imagine if you're if you're middle back of the pack and you're not like absolutely pushing yourself to the limit during a race i think it's feasible like next year i'm if i get into bad water it's almost one of those like i'm dropping everything and going for it but i also have this like free entry into utmb that i'm wanting to put in and the travel arrangements as you guys know aren't easy i think the two are spaced out enough to make it healthy and i'm not an elite that uh, will be doing five tens ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's downhill. Well, I, really I think, think, I think knowing... my fastest mile is like a five forty eight. So, that's and that's just doing one mile. That's it. <laughs> well, it has to be downhill. Is that a downhill mile? That was on a track. Okay, just, yeah, a downhill level a different, track. I total just different ball game. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just like knowing your body too. Like from Badwater to UTMB, like knowing how how deep and that well you you go yeah. and how much recovery you need. Because I mean, dude, Badwater is going to wreck it. Wreck anybody, <laughs> dude. That sounds miserable. <laughs> just crewing and pacing will wreck you. Like, yeah. <laughs> we we should invite both you out there. <laughs> <laughs> we have a girlfriend that's done it a few times, and just hearing, like last time she did it, she said uh, it was, I think, the hottest year on record. And um, she said they had oven mints to open up the the crew doors of the van because yeah. it was so hot. Um, yeah, it, the steering wheel too. You you have like gardening gloves yeah. available if the steering wheel like the black leather gets so hot you can't touch it um yeah. and you're like so dependent on that car well that, was that is your race. surreal that is your crew that's your aid station it's crazy for the crew like you can't even run the air conditioning because you're driving so slow that like it over it does something to the motor or something so you're just sitting in this like hot vehicle when it's what 120 it's, out 115 we we had our ac going I think, but I can't even remember. The whole thing's kind of a blur. <laughs> yeah. And the problem is that we started, uh, at least my runner, started at like 11 p.m. So you're going for almost 48 hours straight. It's just, it was crazy. So I'm intrigued. I think in the next decade, I don't know about the next five years, but the next decade, I would like to, to be out there. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. You'll find it fascinating. I was scared to even go pace. Yeah, I was, I was like, I could do Leadville hundred, like not concerned about it, but uh, going to pace Badwater was actually more concerning, and the results show. I mean, I DNF Leadville, but uh, <laughs> are you uh, are you going to write a book after Badwater? Uh, it's it's kind of cliche, but don't you have to? Like, <laughs> like, I mean, I've read Marshall Yurick's, re- and like that was. It definitely like piques the interest. And I also read your book on Moab 240 and oh, I had no desire to do Moab 240. But after reading your book, I was like, oh, I can, I can get down with this. Like, yeah, this like, well, we crewed and paced can. there. So we, we have a good idea of what it, I mean, we crewed and paced. I remember seeing you guys. Yeah. I saw you guys out there. Okay. 
I got to um, pace the best section, I think. I got to go through LaSalle's, so... (laughs) Oh, she undoubtedly paced the best section. I was, like, all on pavement and 4x4 road and got, like, 150 feet of gain. (laughs) I mean, Avery, I I watched your movie on Amazon, or I I have, and uh, I'm like, oh, you. you, Ray? piece of cake i got this (laughs) as long as i don't miss that turn or whatever you did i I can't remember yeah they've got that figured out since then Uh, do you have interest in tour de jean oh yeah yeah big time uh it's just a matter of dedicating like i need to not do every race that i am interested in and be more just in tune with that but i i also have reshuffled priorities since doing the triple crown like I put so much into that. I kind of like lost focus on, Hey, you got two kids. Like you have a wife, like you can't take every vacation day and use it towards racing. Like you got to balance work and like outside of all of that, you got to train more for these races. So I'm like slowly kind of getting my balance, right? Because I've gone, kind of all over the place. And I'd say this year I, I focused uh, too little on the actual training and like eating healthy, just kind of post COVID. I thought I could pick up and kind of be okay from where I was in 19. And yeah, uh, it, it was humbling, but it's also exactly what I needed to hone in on like nailing I want to do the Keys 100 as a training run for Badwater and then hopefully ETMB. And those three races alone would be like, all right, that was a hell of a year. Like, I'm satisfied. Like, it's all family time after that. Like, I'm trying to get my family out to Europe, too. Okay. uh, For that experience. That would be really awesome. Yeah, that sounds like an awesome year. And then then you can, like, recover and be set for the holidays and have all that time and for sure. You're going to be joining a very niche society of hot road runners. Like I know that that's like a literally like a group niche. of people it's that like niche. all know each other. Yeah. It's it, and it's like a little bit like more old old school group and yeah. it's its own community. It's a niche community within a niche community. Yeah. Um, sure. And they all have leather skin. They they do. <laughs> they they can handle 130 degrees or it was like 121 and it's like oh this is a a cooler year like it was 121 out like (laughs) yeah that girlfriend i was talking about that did bad water she did it on the record heat year and then she also did arrowhead six months prior to that in january and it was during like the polar vortex and so it was i think it got down to like negative 51 at one point and so just like the temperature swings there of that's it's crazy so that's a perfect combo 170 it's the, degree difference it's the exact <laughs> antithesis <laughs> and their names are both 135 like it's just too balanced and perfect for me not to do, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, i gotta be patient here don't get me all excited about that idea harvey lewis came up with that idea or like mentioned it before and i was like i cannot continue to talk to guys like harvey lewis they're gonna get me in trouble like signing up for all kinds of crazy stuff Um, yeah he's a part of that group that road that road group such a nice dude he's he's a good guy um and sabrina i'll I'll get the name of your girlfriend later yeah because i want to dig into that but we're keeping this classified right now um (laughs) 
So I appreciate all your time. I'm sorry that Emily uh, couldn't make it. I'm looking for uh, messages and I, I don't know what happened with that, but she's um, she's seriously an awesome co-host and we'll have her on again. And I know you guys are all friends, so um, she probably got her time zones mixed up no worries, after yeah. all your time in Europe. Yeah, she was and, our roommate for basically 90% of our time out there. We all lived together for a month, not more. I mean, that's. I, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall. Seriously, like that's unbelievable. And it's more boring I, than you think. We're not that fun. <laughs> it was mainly if it was just a highlight reel. I just want to be a fly be... on the wall while you're cooking. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That sounds exciting. It was oh, just yeah. us murdering spiders the entire time. We had a spider issue at our yeah. We had the, yeah. That's the worst. It was brutal. Oh, like just the the stress, like sleeping in bed knowing. Something's oh, climbing somewhere. It didn't phase Avery at all. I was up at all hours, just like checking the floor. <laughs> Looking around. <laughs> yeah. They were monsters though, man. They were serious spiders. Oh. I'm just like, I love, I my sleep is serious. So uh, when nine o'clock hits, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> if not seven, seven thirty. <laughs> um, so just real quick to uh, finish the interview here, I want to ask just, some really quick questions for both you guys. Um, craziest wildlife encounters. Now that you live in Silverton, have you seen some crazier things? You've Avery, you've done hurt. Um, Sabrina, you've done a ton of races. Have you guys encountered anything notable? Uh, at Fat Dog, my first attempt, uh, I ran into... I mean, I'm like 99% sure it was a grizzly. It was fucking huge. Um, the biggest wow. bear I've ever seen. Yeah. And it was like clawing at this tree log, like tearing it into pieces. Um, and it was, I mean, luckily I was like, so this was really close to the finish and you kind of start running in and out of ski cuts. And I just went into the woods from a ski cut and put my poles up and started knocking them and walked backwards and walked out of the ski cut and a relay team had just caught me. And so there was like four of us and we scared it away, um, from, from outside of the woods basically. Um, and then one time I had my very first bear encounter was probably the worst I've ever had. That was in Virginia in Catawba County, which is supposed to be a really dense, dense population of bears. Um, just like ran up to this little ridge and dropped down maybe a hundred yards and ran into a mama bear and her cubs and I kind of just stood there for a second because I didn't want to scare it and just started walking backwards and uh, it started trotting at me. And um, I legitimately, I had a pack and two handhelds on and I dropped all of it and took off sprinting. It That's was a good idea. Like, I was new. Leave and the like, gels for the bears. <laughs> the bears will stop for food. I had PB&J in there and I kind of, that was like kind of my thought process. I was also really scared and just wanted it to be fast. So I d dumped everything, turned around and I know you're not supposed to run from bears and don't take that as advice. But I ran really fast down the ridge and like never looked back. Don't, I mean, there's like a asterisk, like, don't run from bears unless you're Avery Collins <laughs> or Sabrina Stanley and have speed. Like, I think it's all dependent on the situation. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've done that on one other occasion in Steamboat, but I wouldn't say I was running from the bear. It was just like I got really close to it, and I came around a bend where once I got back around that bend, it couldn't see me. So when I got around that bend, I just started sprinting. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Um, my coolest, I would say, 
when I did hurt my first time, I saw a wallaby and people said I was hallucinating, but I swear I saw a wallaby in the middle of the night. Um, and then two years ago when I was training for hard rock, I saw, um, a lynx when I was running, uh, running an over by myself, like you're kind of in the middle of nowhere there. And so it was dusk and he crossed in front of me and like took note and just kept like walking casually. Um, but I still had to like go up Grand Swamp Pass and like, was it large? Yeah, he was, was pretty big. Yeah. He had like the little Ooh. tufts on his ears and the bobtail, but, um, yeah, we've seen them kind of. That's our third links that, or we saw the other two together, but that was, I was by myself, like no cell service evening. And it was a little sketchy. I mean, it, it really wasn't, but it's just eerie, you know, seeing a big cat out there. Um, yeah, I've seen those links print. I've seen cat prints yeah. three times while, um, ski touring, but I, then, yeah, I haven't seen them as much as she has. Yeah. This year we both came across a herd of elk and they all like, we got, pretty close to him. They all kind of like ran into the trees. We kept following the hard rock trail and we got, I don't know what, 15 feet. Um, and we looked over and there was like a baby cow elk hidden in the grass. And so that was pretty cool. It was a big herd. It was probably a couple hundred or more. Wow. Yeah. And we're not telling the hunters where they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so along the same lines, have you guys hallucinated bad? at the end of your longer races? Cause you both do very hard mountainous hundred plus mile races. Like I, unless you're sitting back, relaxing, you're, you're most likely going to have one or two, right? I've hallucinated twice. My first time, I think when you hallucinate and you're doing a hundred miles or less, well, let's say not, let's not do miles. Let's say like if you're doing 30 hours or less on your feet, if you're on top of your nutrition and your hydration, I think it's less likely that you're going to hallucinate. So like my first time hallucinating, um, was during Leadville, my first hundred mile attempt. And I ended up, um, getting cut by time at mile 87, but I was hallucinating like really good going up power line. Um, and then, um, my second Nolan's attempt, I, uh, was hallucinating coming down the Plata and it was less, my first time hallucinating, I was like, people were talking to me and I thought they were different people. Like I didn't recognize them. Like I was gone, but, and I was creating like scenarios in my head that weren't real. And I thought they were, but my second time hallucinating when I was at Nolan's, like I was mentally aware enough to know I was hallucinating. And like, that wasn't a cabin, like, or this isn't, um, a, like a bear sitting on the side of the trail or a squirrel. Like I was just seeing like, stumps and different tree formations were like man-made objects or wildlife. And when there was just nothing, it's like a, it's like a stage two hallucination, not yeah. the stage three is like full blown. You don't realize you're, you're talking yeah. to a tree. Yes. <laughs> Cause you think it's a human. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> what about you, Avery? I had one really good one because I had someone there to witness it. My buddy Devin was pacing me at Colorado 200 and uh, it was oh the middle God. of the night on the second night. And um, I think I was just getting hungry for real food. And I, I'm pretty sure I was probably craving um, uh, buffalo fried shrimp. Um, 
And we all know where the best buffalo fried shrimp are, and that's Hooters. Uh, and we were at, uh, and I also want to preface that with I've only been to Hooters like two or three times in my life. Just for the buffalo fried <laughs> was, shrimp, of I course. I was like, I was um, looking over for, for Sabrina's <laughs> yeah. uh, follow up there. <laughs> I haven't heard this story. Uh, <laughs> Keep talking. Yeah, Devin, Devin was pacing me, and um, there were a pretty good amount of miles in at this point. And um, yeah, I was just like, dude, look. There's a Hooters sign, like a billboard. We're in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. And he was trying to convince me that there was no sign there. And I was just not having it. I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, I see a Hooters billboard up there. We There's a Hooters up there. And it was, I just thought it'd be a good idea to maybe uh, drop in real quick and get some shrimp and wings. Um, outside of that, I, I, I think that's my only like legitimate like hardcore hallucination. I mean, at tour, I didn't hallucinate at tour, but I did have on the, I can't even remember that. It's such a blur. It was either first or second night. I remember climbing up this incredibly steep climb. That was close to like hand overhead, uh, big, big boulder field. And I was so tired that I was literally falling asleep and like, had I fallen, have I went back this way, it would have been, very bad news um and that was definitely a scary moment but i haven't had outside of the colorado 200 i haven't had very interesting or really any um hallucinations i have no problem eating i love eating (laughs) i mean it's i mean well first of all i i hallucinate taco bars so uh we we relate (laughs) fundamentally on our outlook on life apparently yeah it's Um, similar same same yeah i mean and uh it's funny you bring up Colorado 200 because I, I reached out to Michelle to try to like, hey, you want to bring this back? Hey, like, can I buy this off you? Hey, like, um, so hopefully down the road, there's someone that can put together another really solid uh, race like that. I know it was almost impossible to organize, like just in terms of the logistics and everything else. So, yeah. Um, We'll there needs to be a 200 episode. in Colorado and there's obviously a lot of interest now. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, there's talks of uh, here possibly in the next one to three years, there being one, a loop in the San Juans, but um, yeah, I mean, it would be really cool to get one here in Colorado and invite all of the, you know, American top three finishers at all of the other 200s to come out and like do like a big, competitive yeah. one because i mean yeah. right now i think the biggest problem with the 200s is it's just like it's only like one or two really competitive runners and it would be really neat to like get all these previous years winners to like look hey let like run this one so we can make it competitive and kind of get like take it take the 200s in the u.s and take it a step further so that it's closer to something like tour de jean because tour de jean is loaded dude like the, the people that are in the top 10 are experienced. They've ran tour three to six times. And like that just doesn't exist here yet. Like the experience and competition level don't really coincide. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's an awesome idea. Um, maybe I can try to organize it and uh, it'd be cool to like figure that all out. The, the only comment I'll have, because I know there's no way I ever have, sway with these ideas is Leadville takes place a hundred miles is on one side of the town. Then they have a marathon in a 50 miler that takes 
place on the other side and could you create a giant loop that's about 200 miles um there you go for that organization if they ever have open time um to sync all that up it would make a lot of sense and it's super easy i know that's a giant organization and they will laugh if anyone even mentions that to them but it's very logically laid out there but um you could put yeah. together a much better 200 loop though Avery What's wants up? vert. He just wants there's all not enough, there's not enough vert in that. that you can flat put to, town of Leadville. You can put down you can put you could put together a much better race than that. Oh, there's yeah, there's a lot of different options for sure. I don't want to give out my my best ideas. Okay. Um, so do you guys um do you guys ever plan on running Barclay or or like FKTs or like, do you have any big FKTs that you dream of doing at some point? That's where I'll end this for today since I've taken up so much of your time. Uh, well, I got that one. You I want to share. To... I know those are top secret. Yeah, no, it's not, I don't, I mean, mine don't need to necessarily be top secret in terms of FKTs. I need to finish Nolan's at some point. Um, it's just like, it's not something that you can just go do. <laughs> and, <laughs> and if you're trying to competitively race at any point in the year, like it doesn't really fit in all that great. Um, especially when you have to do it in the summer when you're racing. Um, but at some point in time, and then, uh, Colorado trails definitely, um, might not be in the near future, but at some point, undoubtedly I will run the Colorado trail. Um, obviously I would want to run it for a very specific time, but, uh, to tell you what that is right now, I really couldn't. I cannot believe there's not more people going for that. I mean, you got Boulder right there. You got Denver, we got Colorado Springs, Durango's obviously part of it. And then all you guys, Silverton, the big mountain towns, you got this big stretch of trail just calling out for something epic. Like maybe uh, Scott Jurek could leverage the AT attempt and like put it into Colorado or something. Well, I've always thought it'd be really cool for a race to be on it because they do a bike race on it and it's like... Don't say, don't say that. Oh, no, I'm well, just what kidding. am I doing? I'm totally kidding. Um, <laughs> I I clearly think the same thing. Um, it's natural, so it'd have to be almost self-supported type racing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, with a crew, with a crew, self-supported yeah. with a crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No aid stations, which you don't need aid stations. Like, exactly. there's towns and stuff along the way. All you need to have is a reliable crew and like that take that would take so much off of like the quote-unquote race organization basically you just have checkpoints where you know you just got a handful of people that are at these checkpoints making sure that and 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 you can get trackers and in reaches to verify that no one's cheating like it it can be done so easily yeah no i'm i'm right with you maybe i'll have you help help or we could team up for that idea so that'd be sweet um I also want to compete, though. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll I'll take the reins and attempt to like mess up trying to to you know run the race and like actually like organize the race is what I'm saying, and you can run it physically, like run it. Um, I'd be all about it. So, anyways, I appreciate you guys and all your time and and stay in touch. You know, I'm, I'm just here in Denver, so if you ever need anything, you ever want to film something or do something crazy, let me know. And just really appreciate it, and congrats to both of you on really a, a spectacular year for both of you. And uh, 
Sabrina, definitely don't pass up on that hard rock entry because it might be another like 12 years before you get in again. So <laughs> think that one through hard, but UTMB is huge too. I get that. But yeah. thank you guys so much for, for joining me today. Yeah, Thank no you. Problem, I look Rob. forward thank to your you. next book. <laughs> thank you. And that was episode 185. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Big thank you to Avery Collins and Sabrina Stanley for taking so much of their time. Big shout out to you show sponsors, Exoskin, Tannery Outdoors, and the John Wayne Cancer Foundation, the Grit Series. Just really appreciate you guys. Thank you to you Patreon supporters. As always, I really enjoy the closed Facebook group conversations. Making this all work, really, really appreciate it. Most importantly, don't forget to enjoy your training. Have a great week. See ya. Deeper, I'll shout. Let me know.